why the new supplier sent us something that's gone off already. Well, anything could have set the dog off. Uh, smell of steaks in the kitchen, flowers, your perfume. Are you saying I smell bad? <laughs> Just dogs have sensitive noses, don't they? So do I when it comes to me perfume. These artichokes have got a bit of a whiff of Oh, maybe it's them then. Yeah, it's all going to go off if we don't put it away. Why don't you go on your break, OK? And me and Ryan can do it. Yeah. Maybe I'll do some online shopping, you know, get something a little less kennel number five. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Welcome to episode 237 of The Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that would have far preferred that if Jacob had to leave the show, he did so like Kurt did, by going off to tour the country, singing songs about arseholes. I'm Gavin. And I am so fucking sick of this show. <laughs> Throw it all in the garbage. 237. There may not be a 238. <laughs> How are you this week? <sighs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good, you know, getting in the swing of work and... Nearly finished getting this auction together, finally. This guy brought me more books this week, which, you know. Do you know? <laughs> it's like, there's a party that's like, ah. There's a party in your pants and everyone's invited? <laughs> You're the only one invited <laughs> to the party in my pants, my darling. Good to know. But, you know, you're kind of like, ah, I have so many books already. But some of the stuff that he brought was exactly the sort of thing that I was kind of missing in the auction. So that was quite exciting. Uh-huh. And that made me really happy. He brought some some old Adams Family books. So that's quite exciting because everybody's into the Adams Family again, thanks to Wednesday. When you say everyone, do you mean some people? I mean, most people who've watched uh-huh. the Netflix show. Do you mean some people? I mean, most people. Most people. Yeah. Just because you're not into what everybody else is into doesn't mean that everyone else is wrong and no, you're right. it's just that there's only one person I know that is remotely interested in it. And that's who? You. And Steli. Kind of Steli. I don't think Steli would miss it. Benny watched the whole thing and was into it. Mm. So, and lots of people I know, and it's been nominated for things, and it's getting a second season. <laughs> Don't, you, don't give me it's been nominated for things because the Fablemans won things. So don't give me that. Other people like the Fablemans. Other people are wrong. There we go. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm getting at. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, we got uh, I'm so excited. It's not going to be in my auction. It's going to be in the premiere auction. But I think it was the same guy brought in these funeral signs. Like, you know, when you have... Like funeral this way? Yeah. And golf sale. Kind of. Okay. <laughs> you know, th- th- like um, that funeral homes would put out, you know, these black metal stands that you can put out on the street, on the sidewalk to imply that, you know, there's a funeral today. Yeah, fuck off. Funeral here. Yes. Don't park here. Funeral, no parking. Right. So those are really cool. I might be tempted to bid on them because we need more creepy things in this house. Sure. How are you? I don't know what to say anymore. I'm all right. <laughs> in a strange, uh, twisted, 
kind of chain of events, Stelly getting a watch, an Apple watch for Christmas, mm -hmm. has led to me getting a new guitar, which <laughs> I wouldn't have thought was going to happen at this at the start of the year. And and me getting an Apple watch, something I swore I would never get because they're hideous. Yeah, you love it. That's never been off your wrist. Well, it's supposed to stay on your wrist, you know, measuring my activity and stuff, and it measures my oxygen. And it was really cool last night when we were... Oh, you love at, it. <laughs> it was cool when we were at Trivia, and it, it flashed a warning that the decibels were too, you know, the environment was too loud, which I already knew. Yeah, I knew because I couldn't hear anything anyone was right, saying. Right, and I was just, had to go into the bathroom and sit for a wee while because it was so loud yeah, and terrifying. Loud. Yeah. Not so much terrifying, but People's, it was loud. People scare me. Right. People are scary. Yeah. So I have a new guitar. You do. It's I lost a guitar. I gained a guitar. I feel like I've done my good deed of the day or right. the week by donating <laughs> one of my old guitars to one of Stelly's friends for our garage band that she started up. Yes. Which is so cool. <laughs> she will gig. I've been saying this to everyone. <laughs> Stelly will gig. At some point. It might not be this year because she's only 14. And it might be a couple of years from now. It might be five years from now. Mm -hmm. I have no doubt. At some point in her life, Steli will gig. She's already got a job lined up for when she turns 16. She approached Mark at the bowling alley and said, Hey, <laughs> you should give me a job. And he said, when you turn 16, I will. That's a good approach. Yeah. It seems to be working for her. Yeah. I don't know where she gets this confidence from because I may have mentioned I'm terrified of people. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she's just decided that she's not going to be you. Maybe. Because we all kind of grow up deciding not to be our parents, right? Yeah. And yet we turn into our parents after all. <sighs> Absolutely. Yeah. However, my new guitar's lovely. It is. It's butterscotch coloured. <laughs> it reminds me of butterscotch pudding. See, to me it's a Fender Telecaster. To you it's yellow. <laughs> no, it's butterscotch colored. Butterscotch color is not yellow. It's a combination of yellow and brown, but not in the baby poop kind of way. In the delicious oh, butterscotch. I wish I said that now. <laughs> Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that poopy <laughs> calling news. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. You also got an elderly sticker for your... For your laptop. I got a what? An elderly sticker for your laptop. Yeah, I asked for money off my guitar because it's very expensive. Right. <laughs> or I asked for a flight a case, case or yeah. a, a hard a hard backed case and they said you can have a sticker. Yeah. So I took a sticker. Yeah. I'm such a pushover. You are. <laughs> <laughs> and yet here we are doing episode. John Welch. Oh. John Welch is calling you. <laughs> John Welch. Hey, John. <laughs> How's it going, man? It's a public call. It, 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 it's not only a public call, it's a worldwide call. We're in the middle of recording our podcast. We're recording our podcast and now we're speaking to you, John. Yeah, you're on our podcast oh, now. That's fantastic. <laughs> what, did you what did you think of Coronation Street this week? Well, you know, I... Um, <laughs> I don't think I followed it as closely as he would have liked me to to participate. <laughs> uh, this is this is maybe the funniest thing that's ever happened. I think so. Is so you're a you're a live podcast right now. Yeah. Yeah. Talking and to I you. I am 
like I'm participating in this. So it seems. Podcast. So it seems. So it seems. Okay. Br- brilliant. <laughs> um, I just had a. <laughs> sorry, I didn't know I was interrupting a podcast. That's okay. That's a, What's up? I had a quick. I had a quick story for you, Gav. Okay. Um, so Bob and Charna just arrived in Florida. Right. Safe, safe and sound. Safe and sound. And Devin, you know, yeah, my yeah. sister's. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Devin had arranged for an Uber driver, their favorite Uber driver, to pick him up. Right. And take him from Destin Airport to the condo, right? Oh, they're in that area. Oh, I, I yeah. Know well. that's, yeah. That's where my dad lives. Oh, okay. So they get in and my mom says, well, it's, it's Gavin's twin, both in looks and in sound. Uh-oh. And I said, fantastic. Let's find out like where he's from. Right. And even Devin got involved in the conversation and they're like, um, we're not sure if he's from like England or Scotland. And I said, well, this is critical information <laughs> if I'm going to include Gavin or Steven in on this conversation. Absolutely. And, and, uh, Devin was like, I'm pretty sure he's a uh, 99% he's Scottish. Right. And, uh, anyway, he, he, the guy, they finally trying to ask him, he's like, he's English. And, <laughs> uh, but I thought I I'm gonna send you the photo because I see what they're saying about yeah it could be a it could be a, a brother of sorts to Gavin but oh really the accent like so could a, a northern England lad resemble a Scottish accent? Not really. And once you cross okay. into the north, you start to get into the uh, Andy from Atletico Mince kind of territory <laughs> as far as the accent's concerned. <laughs> Sunderland. <laughs> right, right. It's kind of, kind of in that area. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> well, I love it. I just, I needed to, uh, I needed to include you in this because it involved uh, England and, and potentially Scotland. So, Brilliant. Yeah. I'm so happy that I could participate <laughs> in today's podcast, by the way. I'm sure our listeners are loving it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll, I'll let you get back at it, but uh, bless your I'm heart, John. Send you a fo- <laughs> I'm going to send you a photo of Charna's interpretation of your Scottish English twin. I can't wait and, to uh, see it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it better be devilishly <laughs> handsome. I tell you that. Uh, he he is a handsome lad from what I've seen in the photo. Excellent. And he was holding up a sign for him as well. Superb. Yeah. All right, guys. Cheers. Uh, I'll let you get back to the podcast. Have a good hey. one, John. Bye, John. Take care, man. All right. Bye, bye, guys. We'll see you. See you. Bye, bye. How much? That? How much of that are you cutting out? Probably none of it. <laughs> so that happened. So that happened. It's it's like we're real people. Mm-hmm. Remind me to unplug the phone Bluetooth thing from the recorder because that's why that happened. <laughs> anyway, my phone news. doesn't like announce when people. It doesn't say like the person's name over and over again, doesn't it? Which is kind of weird. Oh. John Welch. John Welch.
<laughs> anyway, we were doing. We're, I was gonna do Corey News. Corey News. <laughs> I haven't even gotten to Corey News. <laughs> All right. Molly Gallagher was all smiles on the ice as our Nina practices for her dancing on ice. Starts on Sunday. Yes. Very, very excited. Wearing what else? All black. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, it was like a black shirt and black leggings. So it was goth in spirit. Right. I don't know many goths who wear leggings. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. She looked good, works. though. She looked good. She looked like she was comfortable, like she was having fun. You know, good for her. Yeah, it, it's uh, it seems to have dropped down the order of importance as far as ITV is concerned because I think they've cut the show back in length. <gasps> How dare they? And now it's on, I think, on a Sunday afternoon as opposed to a Sunday night or Sunday early evening, something like that. But either way, I'm Bizarre. very excited to see uh, Molly ice skate and wish her well yes. for the I coming bet competition. I she is going to be fantastic. I believe she will. Yes. Fans may have been confused when tuning into Corey on Monday. Why is that, Gav? Because it wasn't on. The show was once again sacrificed for the footy and aired on Sunday instead. So if you are if you were still confused, you can go back on ITV Player and watch it because it was on Sunday yeah. and not on Monday. ITVX it's called now. Is it called ITVX? They've rebranded it. Oh. It's a step in the wrong direction, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. What, do you think it was because it was too close to BBC iPlayer? No, it was ITV Hub before that. Oh, I don't know where you got the idea. It was ITV Player. I don't. Oh, it's know. STV Player. That's where you got it from. Oh, that must be it. Yes, that must be it. That must be it. I've and got, I've got half a mind to phone John back. <laughs> and finally, while Millie Gibson is hopping onto the TARDIS, Alexandra Mardell is hopping into. A sausage roll? Oh. <laughs> now, she was getting some stick for this. Our Emma announced she'll be voicing a sausage casserole in an Aldi's commercial. Now, th- this is absolutely fantastic and, yeah. and good for her. And, she's, and hilarious. And this is not the only thing that she's doing. No, she's got this show. I've, we've talked about we the show. We have talked about it, yeah. Now, some of the, the red top newspapers in the UK have been... Mm-hmm kind of posting stories that are more than a little bit uh, derogatory of this, that she leaves Coronation Street and now she ends up doing voiceovers for sausage roll adverts, which is mean-spirited and also incorrect. So Right, yeah, because she's got this huge show coming up. And, and she's and, working, so... Right, yeah, a lot of people are not working. Yes. Or, Feel you free know, to fuck off newspapers. You know, is an Aldi's commercial honestly a step down from, I don't know, Panto? That's probably as lucrative. I would say more. I would say more people are going to hear her be a sausage casserole on an Aldi's commercial than we'll see the Panto. Not that there's anything wrong with Panto, because I kind of wish we had that here more. Yeah, it's just... Because it's camp and lovely. We have drag shows. Just a bit nasty and a bit mean-spirited for Yes. Well, fuck them. From the usual suspects. Oh, oh, British tabloids <laughs> are offensive and Seriously. say mean-spirited things to black people? Never. Right. And that's Corey News. Which doesn't take us with any controversy into, well, podcast for coffee. Ooh. 
been a strange show already, hasn't it? <laughs> it really has. And we haven't even gone blue yet. And thanks to French Helen for our coffees this week. <gasps> we have a French Helen now? I'm so excited. <laughs> Apparently. One of these days we have to get all the Helens together <laughs> and take a picture. Ooh la la, says French Helen. <laughs> and merci beaucoup for your podcast. And gives me a laugh every weekend. I love her so much. Enjoy your coffees. Or as we say in La France, enjoy your coffees, but in French. <laughs> and thank you so much to French Helen. For is, she, is she a British Helen who's moved to France? I'm not sure. I believe a word of this. <laughs> They've also misspelled beaucoup's, but... <laughs> Not that I'm, I'm qualified to to correct anyone else's French <laughs> spelling, punctuation, or grammar, but I know there's no S in Bocoups. Isn't there? No. It wasn't you, was it? No. Okay. Anyway, thank you so, thank much, you so much to French she, Helen, she bought us ca- if that is your name. She bought us un café. For our, for our cafés this week. The talk of the street is oui, oui. and will always be free on your podcast provider and on the YouTubes. But if you think a show is worth anything more than time it takes to listen to it, and if you want to show your appreciation, you can buy us next week's coffee by going to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com, slash the talk of the street. And we'll be very appreciative like we are to French Helen. Yes, we are. And if you're Aldi's and you have other foods that need voiceovers, give us a call. Gav does a mean shortbread impersonation. And you do a good scotch pie. I do. And now, this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about catching feelings. Ooh, la la. Not, not again. <laughs> catching feelings. God, who was catching feelings this time last year? Is this, does this have anything to do with Daisy and Daniel? That's right, this was Sally inquiring oh. to Jenny about her blossoming relationship with Cinco Leo. Are you catching feelings? She says, I'm a what? Says Jenny. I was Gavin and you were speechless about my insistence that strip clubs and massage parlours are heavy on the neon. <laughs> Let's say about that the better. Yes. There was plenty of the COVID going around. We were looking forward to the new Scream movie and I reminisced about seeing Scream 4 and Falkirk with Tommy Fitzpatrick and his sandwiches. And here we are with another one coming up soon. Yes, and Jamie Lee Curtis has COVID, so it's still around. The truth about Hashim's death weighs heavily on Alia Putin Zidane's rekindled relationship with his wife in jeopardy. Tim just can't find the right moment to tell Sally about his health issues while he continues to confide in Aggie. God, that went on longer than I thought it did. Ugh. Emma is shocked when Tyrone volunteers dead Ted's crutch to an injured Craig who becomes <laughs> intrigued about its history and its previous owner. That was uh, Craig's rear window. <laughs> I don't want to see Craig's rear window. Summer finally gets news of Oxford's decision, but her attention is soon diverted when Amy discovers yet another disturbing side to new Max. Kathy and Brian are off on holiday and rope Shona into helping out at the cabin. Joseph is feeling very alone and unheard at home and bullied at school and a broken promise is enough to make him snap and take drastic action. No one cares about Ryan's birthday. Mrs Anderson hasn't got a clue. And Homeless Stew has a rhyming dictionary. Our moment of the week was Amy verbally ripping Max's throat out for the upskirt photo. And our boring moment of the week was Brian explaining staycations to Cathy. 
And that was Cornish Street and the talk of the street this Ryan's, time last year. It was Ryan's birthday this time last year? Yeah. Because it wasn't Ryan's birthday this time this year. No. No, it was... It was quite clearly Todd's. It was Todd's. Are they the same person? We never see them together. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. The first storyline this week is the fifth quad on Sunday. Michael, Gemma and Bernie have all spent the night playing skeletrics in the barricaded classroom at school. So they, they mm-hmm. did spend all night there. Yeah. Okay. Joseph teacher comes back and warns them that she's going to call the cops unless they fuck off, but they threaten her with kidnap charges unless she accepts their BSL demands. Mm-hmm. And Michael apparently has been on the phone to Dee Dee. Right. And can lay down some serious threats to Mrs. Whatever her name was. Right. Which begs the question, why didn't they call the police while they were in there and say, help, we've been locked into this classroom. Come, right. us, come get us out because we have no place to go to the bathroom. Where did they go to the bathroom all, week, all night long? I think they held it in. Ugh. Which isn't good for you. To be young and, and I, able to hold it in. Oh, seriously. But uh, I think they were really wanting uh, the BSL concessions mm-hmm. yes. more than they wanted the teacher out. to be. Yeah getting in trouble for this whole thing well good for them back at nina's rolls i guess they must get a result because everyone is in high spirits until aggie comes in complaining that she was left holding the baby literally yes. so he can whistle if he expects her to babysit today so benny comes up with the idea of her and Gemma looking after glory one more isn't going to make that much of a difference and benny <sighs> suggests that this can all happen for a mere 30 quid a mere 30 quid and michael bites their hands off absolutely and it seems to go well so later michael is keen to extend the care in future and Gemma is only too happy so they're shaking it and that's a deal and yeah. that's all that happens in that storyline this week lovely yeah so we don't get to hear the concession though about bsl i no, kind of wish we once got again that because it's, it's a key scene that seems to right. be omitted yeah yeah there are other key scenes that appear to be omitted this week as well. Yeah, and lots of scenes that are sadly included. Yes. Not a great week this week. It was shit. <laughs> it, I don't think it's been the worst that, it was, that it's been, but it wasn't. It, it was wasn't pretty great. close. Yeah. But yeah, so Gemma has some more extra income coming in, and maybe this is something that she's going to be exploring in future, maybe thinking that if I'm looking after four, I might as well be looking after eight. Right. Getting a few more 30 right. quids a day coming in yeah. is probably what is going to get her married, one would one would maybe suggest. Yeah, but she's doing it without a licence. And without and insurance, yeah. Yeah. So this this may do more harm than good if she if she chooses more. I think Glory is enough. She's so cute. She's so cute. She's a cute little lassie. We, we, we don't. We haven't gotten really to see her since she was just a baby. Mm-hmm. And now we get to see her, and she's standing up and she's playing. She's so cute. Wait, just she's she over one? She, uh, yeah, because how long has her mum been off the show? Oh it's yeah, been about probably, a year. Yeah, maybe maybe more than that. Yep. Yeah. Didn't they just have a birthday for her? Wait a minute. She was. She had a. She had her first birthday. Let's see. I I measure important events on Coronation Street by empty cup moments. And I think there was a, a good grace empty cup moment in twenty twenty one. So yeah, should be a, maybe a year and a half or something like that. Yeah, something like mm. that. Yeah, very good. And that's all that really happens in that. So yeah. I, I guess that's where we're going with it. But we don't see 
we don't see anymore. So we can move quickly on to one of the main storylines of the week, which is Mad Max Racist Thunderdome. <laughs> on Sunday, Max has been questioned by the cops and doesn't seem to be exactly shitting himself or really or- doing himself any favours here, no. covering himself in glory here as he is uh, answering quite quite haughtily to the right. police request saying, which well, is, I'm allowed to have an opinion on things. Which is weird because he was quite contrite right. when they picked him up. So what happened on the ride over? That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. He's quick to blame Reese for bl- planting the bomb and admits that he should have noticed something big was going down earlier. He claims he didn't think the threats were serious though and he doesn't know where Griff is. We jump to the hospital and Toya is visiting Spider, who is keen to get back on the street to find Griff. Yes, forgetting that he's had a head injury. He's got a head wound and yet can speak in complete sentences and dress himself. Shona gets shot in the stomach and she loses half her memory. Right. Toya thinks this is someone else's problem now and isn't too happy that Spider is keen to get back on the street. And he's mm-hmm. not the only person that knows anything about this case surely which is right. a, which is a fair point yes back in the street the other residents particularly gary are sickened to see max walking about free david insists that max is innocent and is cooperating with the police max says that he's done nothing wrong and now makes noises like she wants to let all of this go mm-hmm. she says look enough damage has been done here right people made some mistakes i just want to put it all behind me right and Be- she seems to look to max to get a little nod off mm-hmm. acknowledgement out of that and Max is does not give her that kind of yeah he's kind of deliberately not meeting her eye yeah Alia who was blown out of a van she was blown up she was blown out of a van has superficial wounds from being blown out of a van we will find out what those wounds are a little bit later yes which are fucking ridiculous (laughs) back at home Gail isn't on Max's fun bus to forgiveness either David is shocked that Gail could be so against Max Reminding her that he's a good kid after all, which she reluctantly concedes, but calls him a willing participant in all this, and you just can't ignore it. Which is which we is just true. we just we just did Coronation Street last year, where he was involved in the upskirting scandal, which sadly was solved far too quickly. He drugged Amy accidentally because he was trying to drug his teacher. He is not a good kid. He hasn't been a good kid since the head change. I don't understand why David keeps doing this whole, oh, but he's really just a good kid. It's like, this is, this is not helping anybody. But he's not alone. The number of people who have said mm-hmm. these things about him, I mean, Spider was going to say it later mm-hmm. on. Daniel, Daniel's it. been saying it. Uh, Ever since he tried to drug him, right back to last, back to last year, everyone seems so desperate to give Max the benefit of the doubt, and he does nothing to repay that faith. No, 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 and it's it's so infuriating that the show just is like, well, what you gonna do? You can't parent your own children anymore. <laughs> so, amusing accent. Thank you. David blames himself, thinking that he's left Max to his own devices for far too long. And is determined to help him find his way now. 
Max comes down the stairs and asks if it's okay that racist Kelly comes over and she didn't know anything about any of this and she's now currently homeless because her pals have chucked her out. She, I'm confused by her involvement in this. Right. Because she was never she, away from that flat. Who was she living with? You, we, her friends. Why was she living with what her friends? Why was she living with her friends and not her dad? Where's her mum? Her mum's in Devon, as we'll find out later. <laughs> Why... What is going Devin. on? No, I know. I understand. Meanwhile, Spider has discharged himself to get back out there to find Griff. Head wound. Toya reminds him that he has to think about her now and think about their future together and asks him to be careful. So, anyway, racist Kelly comes over and has the fucking nerve to ask for some privacy in someone else's house to talk to Max. So David... And, and they give it to her! And Gail leave to go at the pub. If God forbid one of our children was involved in a bombing or an attempted bombing. Stanley, I'm looking at you. And was caught and one of her friends who was involved in the gang who did the bombing may not have been the person who did the bombing, but was involved in the group came over and said, oh, can we have some privacy, please? I'd be on the phone with the cops. Another fantastic accent. Thank you. The it's reason so that fucking stupid. But this happens because of plot, because it can't happen outside because of what happens Next. A, in a minute. Yeah. And it can't happen upstairs because they don't have a bedroom for Max. Yeah. Well, if it's just happening because plot and it's That's stupid exactly why it's and it's stupid, then maybe change the plot. <laughs> maybe so anyway. write better stories. But this whole scene just continues to be ridiculous because racist Kelly comes over and she makes a cup of tea for Max in someone else's kitchen. Right, yeah. And, and that is so she can go into the kitchen and unlock the door, which allows Griff to sneak in and creep it up on Max. Boo. Which was not creepy at all. Racist Kelly apologises and leaves. Then Griff makes his plea to Max, asking him to keep his name out of any dealings he has with the police, reminding Max that he never saw him plan anything. Max is furious that Griff would plant a bomb near where his family works, but Griff insists he was doing all this for Max's family so that they can remain British. The fight must continue, or the woke brigade wins. I think anyone loses an argument as soon as they say woke brigade. And also then he says, make Britain great again. And that just, that's just goodbye. Please, that... It, is it 2016 again? He reminds Max that the two of them are kindred spirits. And he's been there for him when his family hasn't. Meanwhile, Darren is passing the house and overhears the raised voices. And he rushes back to Maria and Gary and David at the market and explains what he's heard. So David sprints back home. Yes, he does. And he bursts in to confront Griff, who suggests that they stand on either end of the living room and shout on Max and see who he runs to. Yeah, because they're little orphan Annie all of a sudden. And also the dog David. <laughs> Because David was involved in this when David kept on burrowing under the fence and then Yasmin's garden. So right, so Yasmin, they've stolen from Little Orphan Annie twice now then, is what you're telling me. I feel like they've stolen from themselves in this one. Well, no. But, but because, from the first one they stole it from. Right, but Little Orphan Annie is from the 1930s. So they've stolen from her. Say it properly. The 1930s. <laughs> oh, that's not even... It would be more like... The 1930s! Just uh, an absolute treasure trove of accents coming out of you tonight. 
Thank you. So, uh, so a fight breaks out. A spider and the police arrive, and they drag Griff off while Spider reads some his rights. But I like that. I've I'd have got away with it if it wasn't for you meddling woke brigade, says Griff, because racists have dreadful patter. Yes, they do. And as Griff is carted off, Yasmin is sure to say that Max has been allowing Griff to hide out at number eight. Spider apologises that no one was there to protect Max, and Gary's appalled at this. Protect him, he should be in jail. And they probably should be. Right. And everybody is like, Gary, you killed a guy. <laughs> it's beans on toast for dinner. For David and Max, and as they're eating, Max suggests that not all of Griff's ideas were bad. Sure, the blown up stuff was maybe the wrong end of the stick, but statues are great, and being British is being threatened by invisible forces. And as they argue, Max shouts that no one can control his thoughts or his opinions, and he runs off upstairs like Max version 1.0 used to do. Right, yeah. And, like... (laughs) What David should have said there is, Oh, really? Name one statue. (laughs) Name one statue, Max. Well, he one. said. Well, he said to to Max. Well, who are these forces? And Max says, "Well, I don't know, but they're there." <laughs> okay. Oh, in Wednesday. fairness, we have heard arguments like this in real life. So. Now, as much as I <laughs> disagree with the sentiment, I'm glad that they haven't just got Max one hundred percent rolling over right. and going back to how he was. Right. I think this is. This is an interesting development in that he has been able to compartmentalise what Griff did. Right. And the the, the terrorism stuff mm-hmm. and be able to say that that's bad. Right. But the underlying message and thrust of it all is something that he seems to still, agree still b- with. believe in and right. agree with. And because uh, he watched one video. <laughs> Let's not forget... He believes all of this because of one video. It was it was EastEnders, wasn't it? <laughs> oh no, that was the that was the video I made. But see, this is the ridiculous thing. This is why it's so ridiculous that so many people want to forgive him. They seem to forget he made these other videos that almost made his sister racist, and mm-hmm. it probably incited other people to violence off screen somewhere. Well, if we're to believe the the through line of the story mm-hmm. it is um it's Maxie's successful uh, social media campaign that has got all the interest going that mm-hmm. Griff wanted to uh, exploit yeah. so if that hadn't happened one wonders if there would even have been a bomb so I, I think based on what the show is making us mm-hmm. believe that it's Max has aided that at the yeah, very least absolutely so on wednesday racist kelly has called max want to meet up but he's not much of a fan of hers anymore after the whole business yesterday yes but she wears them down david doesn't approve but realizes now that he doesn't have to agree with all of max's views and decisions so he doesn't intervene in the what pub- the fuck in the pub later david talks to spider about max's views which are still kind of iffy and spider says kinda? look this can take time but max is a good kid why does everyone no, think he's a good kid? He's not. Have some patience. So Max meets racist Kelly, who announces that she's moving to her mum's in Devon. She tells Max that there's nothing for either of them in Weatherfield and suggests that he goes with her. But he must tell her to fuck off because later, back at home, he tells David that he's staying around and the reason that he's staying around is because of him. Well, him and the rest of the family. Right. Okay, most mostly the rest of the family. And either way, David is quite happy. 
And on Friday, Gail comes home early and finds Mac's dog in school. He's not ill, it's not a free period, and the school isn't flooded this week. He admits that he can't face it after everything that's happened. Gail doesn't think that he can show everyone how sorry he is if he keeps hiding away, which is a very good point. Yeah. And Gail goes to talk this over with Sarah in the pub, realising that Max was only looking for attention from Griff because he wasn't getting any attention at home. Which is ridiculous. And it isn't That's really the case. That's not true. No. That's not true at all. Max was, you know, pushing everybody in the family away. Mm. And people were very supportive. They, get, they, they bought him that expensive piece of equipment for Christmas. Even Lily contributed. Yes, she did. So on the street, we see that Max is getting some... I wasn't sure if he was getting grief from one of his old bullies or if one of his old bullies was about to tell him, good job on trying to blow up the street, by the right, way. Right, yeah. That's, that's kind of the vibe that I was getting. Mm-hmm. And we don't find out because Sarah intervenes and chases the other guy off. Max doesn't appreciate this, but she tells him that people around him care about him if only he would let them. Right, which is true. And there was an interesting little scene here that uh, on the bench is Amy as Max storms off. Mm-hmm. Amy upset from another storyline. Yes. Interesting how those two have really not had much to do with each other since the whole upskirting thing. But Well, no, since the whole he drugged her with date rape drugs. Yes, and, and how that has finally, those paths have crossed, albeit briefly mm-hmm. in, in Friday's episode. And that's as far as we get with that this yeah. week. The aftermath of the bomb. Is everybody's fine and everybody's walking around with head wounds and they're fine. The racists were really bad at making bombs. Because <laughs> the one that should have killed Max gave him burns on his arms that apparently have now healed. Hmm. And the one that they planted in the van has given Alia a boo-boo on her forehead. Right. And some some burns on her arms as well. Mm. And that's about it. And it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Let, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And no. Say that if the, no, let's, <laughs> let's and say that if the bomb had gone off as planned, maybe the panic would have injured a few people. But the bomb simply wasn't going to. It did go off, though. That van was in flames. Mm-hmm. Where she had been seated was in flames. Yeah, but Alia, who was, and she let's, was, let's call it ground zero, and she relatively was relatively unscathed from it. Quite, she was blown quite far. Even if she had been, uh, even if she had just opened the door and had kind of stepped foot out when it went off, she was still blown quite far. So even if she didn't get burned, landing basically on her head, which is, I'm assuming, those scratches. Would have done some considerable damage. Hmm. But didn't. No, because this and is And none stupid. of the glass in the, the van no. shattered. So no. people would have been okay from the explosion. Maybe the aftermath would have, from the panic and the stampede would have hurt a few people. But anyway, yeah, that's that's that. So the, the, the aftermath really is, I guess, a slow progression of Max either back to how he was or they're going to have him being... Kind of racist from now on. I was kind of hoping he would go away with Racist Kelly. Me too. Racist Kelly didn't really get a redemption because I was imagining that she will become the darling of the show. Right. And a, become in our, a year's time sort and become, of thing. Right. Become but, unracist new Kelly. Mm-hmm, but Did we talk about David's conversation with Max? 
briefly, I think. Yeah. Because that was really frustrating me too, because he has this conversation where he's like, well, I guess I can't change your mind about things. And so we're just going to have to agree to disagree. And then he goes to Spider and says, thanks so much for your advice. I think things are better now because because I did nothing and basically <laughs> told my son it's okay for him to have racist thoughts. But Shona did did was he not paying attention with Shona when Shona was having her conversation with Lily? Was he not paying attention to that? Did he not pick up any hints about how to talk to a child about difficult things that they don't quite understand? that might cause them harm in the future to be thinking. I think talking to Lily, though, is different than talking to Max. I think Max, being a little bit older, is more likely to dig his heels in about these things. And he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't interested in, in David trying to tell him that what he's thinking is wrong. Yeah, but he, he's, not, he's not even... David isn't really even trying beyond saying what you're thinking is wrong. Mm. He's, he doesn't really have any sort of counter-argument, whereas... You know, Shona was able to relate the refugee problem to Lily in a way that Lily understood, you know, and David doesn't even try to do that. Nobody even tries to do that. You know, they will yell at Max, but nobody is saying, hey, you know, does that really make sense to you? And let's let's talk about this. And. You know, why don't you sit, why don't you listen to what some of the people who are here now, what they went through in their other country and why they had to come here? Because they probably don't want to stay here. They have no choice. You know, and he's still young. He's still young. It's not like he's an 80 year old man. I think the, I think the answer is in. The questions, and we kind of got a little bit off that when... And not enough. When Max is saying, you know, that there are these people who are trying to do these things, and David's saying, well, who are these people? And Max has to admit that he doesn't know. Right. And the thing about the statues, well, what is it about the statues? Why right. do you think the statues are important? Why do you think they're, right. they're a history? When was the last time you looked at a statue? And, you know, there, there Name are, one statue. There are questions that you can ask them. Right. The, the argument breaks down eventually. Yeah. And nobody even tries to do to do that. It's it's possibly more than you can fit into a forty four minute TV show. But right, but you could start instead of saying, "Oh, <laughs> telling him it's okay for him to be racist, and you love him anyway," fixes everything. Moving on, our next storyline this morning, this evening, is Daisy's wedding DJ. <clears throat> On Sunday, Daniel has an interview for a, a secure training centre. That sounds great, doesn't it, Helen? Yes. Meanwhile, Daisy is looking at getting married at Downton Abbey in the 18th century, which is booked solid every weekend for the next five years. Daniel says, we just need a place to sign the necessary documents, and then fucks off to his interview, leaving Daisy to go, what? Huh? Yeah, so, 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 rem- he, he must, he must have hit himself with Chesney's brick. In the rovers. She runs this by Jenny, who is more interested and suggests that Daisy checks out their weekday availability. Daisy does this and is cock-a-hoop to discover that it's going to be available in a few months for half the weekend rate. Mm-hmm. It's on. And there was a lovely little bit where Daisy says, do you know, if it wasn't a little bit inappropriate, I would kiss you. 
Mm-hmm. And why would that be inappropriate? She's your, she's your stepmom. You can kiss your stepmom. Later, Daniel arrives through the back. And I like that. Looking for Daisy, who is out doing wedding plan stuff. Jenny drops a bomb about Downton Abbey and the Monday in May that's been booked and Daniel announces that he can't do it now that he's got a job at the Secure Training Centre. Woohoo! He goes home to tell Daisy the bad news that he either can't or doesn't want to take one day off in five months' time. She's momentarily distracted by him getting a job and as they hug, she's disappointed. But she reckons that with him earning, they'll afford something better than Downton Abbey on a Monday. It'll be Mansfield Park on a Thursday. On Wednesday, Daisy is working on the wedding mood board and demands some input from Daniel. They seem to be at cross-purposes about what they want from their special day. Hmm. Now at the pub, Daisy is talking about the wedding with Glenda when Debbie appears out of the gents' toilets. She's got some tickets for an event at the Rape Hotel where they're tasting an English sparkling wine. And there's a top DJ. DJ Tativo, yeah, I believe. It, it's not Ryan. Daisy is all over this and drags Glenda and Gemma along too, which means the pub shuts. Daisy tells Daniel about the DJ, but then notices that he's not touched the mood board. He doesn't think there's anything of a rush, and she says there is because they're going to get married in May. This year, says Daniel, he wants to get married in 2024, so Betty can remember it. Daisy tells him she's getting married this year, either to him or to anyone else. Deal with it. That's not enough time to plan a wedding. At the Rape Hotel, Daisy is in a vengeful mood, dinging Daniel's calls as she flirts with DJ Tativo, getting his number and his card. Glenda warns her about this, but Daisy is pushed and doesn't care and posts her photo with the DJ on the Insta, saying this will keep Daniel on his toes. But Daniel doesn't notice because he's fast asleep on the couch mm-hmm. at home. On Friday, a sullen Daniel sneaks out of the house in the morning ahead of a very hungover Daisy. But then he slams the door. Yeah. He's so petty. She missed him leaving for his first day at his new job, which I think was deliberate on his part. She sees a text from the DJ thanking her for last night and then checks her socials and remembers what happened. And she deletes the offending post of her sitting on the DJ's lap, making her pouty pouty face. Other overs, Daisy's still fucked from the night before. Glenda tells Daisy to go home, but Ken's hoovering, which isn't a euphemism. Yeah. It seems that nothing happened other than them flirting with each other. Right. I think. Right. But Glenda doesn't know because apparently Glenda and Gemma left before Daisy did. Gemma was hammered because, of course, she was. Yes. Free booze. Just quite funny. She was. She was like. <laughs> you you can tell me about this rosé, but only if you get me another one. <laughs> and apparently and she, there was a hint of maple. She kept calling it champagne. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think was it Debbie, Debbie was, was hilarious. sure that it wasn't champagne because it's not French because it's mm-hmm. English sparkling wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Glenda gets a phone number as well. We don't know what this guy looks like. The distributor of the sparkling oh, wine. Yes. But she gets his number. And a free box of wine. <laughs> Daisy is basically sleeping at the bar when Daniel comes in and drags her away. He saw the picture. He saw that she deleted the picture. And now he's dead suspicious. What's she hiding? She tries to go to work, but Daniel wants to talk about it. So they have to talk about it. And Daisy says the photo made her look like Shrek. So that's why she deleted it. No one believes that. So Glenda, to the rescue, says that the DJ's agent wasn't happy about the unauthorised picture being posted. Mm -hmm. Privately, Glenda tells Daisy, maybe you should tell him the truth. Yes. 
Through the back of the rovers, Daniel angrily hands Daisy a sheet of paper from his calendar. He's relented, asked his boss for one day off, four months, five months from now, and booked the venue of Daisy's dreams, and so she's quite happy. Back in the main bar, the DJ has sent Daisy a bunch of flowers that she quickly repurposes and gives to Daniel. Then she texts the DJ and tells him that he won't be getting access to her pants after all. And that's all that happens in that storyline this week. Why doesn't she just block him? Yeah. I didn't realise that she was as drunk as that. She was pretty drunk. I was like, wow, she's really drunk. We haven't seen her this drunk. There were uh, little... Little signs of old Daisy mm. in there when she was when she was drinking. Yeah. Insisting that she's a catch and Daniel should be treating her better. And right. She's right, Daniel should be treating her better. Well, yes. He never will. No. And what what is going on here? Because like there's this whole thing and Daniel's not happy and he's suspicious. But then he immediately forgives her and they're getting married in the merry, merry month of May. Mm-hmm. What's up with that? And Glenda did not get drunk. She was the only one who wasn't drunk. So that lady knows how to hold her liquor. Now, this DJ thanked Daisy for last night, which suggested to me that she slept with him. Because she was late getting home. It was the middle of the night when she got home. And she didn't leave with Glenda and Gemma. So are they being deliberately ambiguous about this? I think so. She says to Glenda that nothing happened. Right. But then she says, But then she would right. say that. She says, nothing happened. Right. And Glenda's like, I don't know. I'd already left. Mm. So, you know, it's quite possible she doesn't even remember. So the one thing that still irks me about Daisy, despite the fact that her character has kind of won me over, is we never really addressed what happened between her and Ryan. No. And that's... That's a shame that that hasn't been addressed. Mm. And it never will be. She said that she didn't, but she let him believe that something did happen. Right. And it, it's icky that that's never been no. really really sorted. So maybe there's some drama coming up uh, from that. But yeah, the, the sign of Daisy not being that far away from going backwards to the kind of character that she was... Like a year ago, year mm-hmm. and a half ago. It's it's very fragile. This this change in her character, or so it seems. Yeah, it kind of implies that it's it was because she was drunk mm-hmm. and mad at Daniel, but that she didn't mean any of it. But she's kind of got this. It's not exactly Bridezilla yet, but since the engagement, she's become a very very focused person on this, and maybe that kind of brings out the. Uh, a very that doesn't <coughs> bring out the desire to cheat or well, flirt I would with other thought people. Because so, right? I wasn't like that, and I had a whole Pinterest board. Well, that that certainly proves that then anecdotes are there after all. I just it seemed kind of ridiculous for Daniel to be upset and mad and suspicious, and then immediately in the other room not be mad and suspicious anymore. Remember, he was mad when he's thrown that paper at her or he's thrusting the paper right. back. Yeah, he's but then he's, but he, then she's like all excited and he's like all excited. And it's like, if you're mad, then maybe not show her that yet. I think the, the problem is not so much that she has to get what she wants, although she does. Yes. It's his lack of involvement in it 
he's yeah, and he's kind of after making the big deal of being uh, of proposing, right? He's kind of it's almost like okay, now I've proposed, now we don't need to do any of that. All the stuff that I've proposed that we do mm-hmm. by by proposing. Mm-hmm. That's not really the important thing. The important thing is the engagement. Right. You've got that commitment from me. Mm-hmm. Now we don't really need to think about all of this stuff until 2024. Right. And it's weird because he was so involved in his in his wedding to Shona. Not Shona, Sinead. <laughs> that would be an interesting pairing. <laughs> right. I, 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 would, I would suggest that that wouldn't work. <laughs> You know, with the whole, you know, marriage under a tree with, with Kirk presiding, dressed as a druid. Or a vampire, wasn't it? <laughs> One of the two. Somebody with a cape. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it, it, does, it does seem to hint to me a little bit that maybe Daniel is not as keen as, as he thought he was going to be about this. You know, that he's more, again, like Chesney, just kind of... Wants to be engaged, wants doesn't to be engaged, want to be married. Want to, yeah. yeah. All right, we shall move on to our next storyline, which is Taxi for Jacob. On Sunday, in the bistro, a fruit and veg supplier is making a pitch to Leanne, which Jacob grows suspicious of, and Damon comes in, knows the supplier, and reckons that they can save 25% on their orders. He's it's mm-hmm. the same supplier that he's had in Ibiza, and there's never a bruised peach... So Leanne goes off to discuss it, which allows Jacob not like that. to confront Damon that he's this is a drug supplier. Mm-hmm. Damon says it's all until his debts are cleared and he wants to be a great dad to Jacob. And all Jacob has to do is pass the packages on to him, but I really want to be a great dad to you. Sure. So the package ar- arrives later and Jacob takes it through the back and pulls a bag of jelly babies out of it. Damon appears over his shoulder, calling this a dummy run and says that Jacob's a pro at this, but Jacob's lost his bottle and tells Damon that he wants nothing to do with it. Nick and Leanne are good people, he says, but Damon is unmoved. Jacob insists he isn't about to let drugs ruin his life again. Later, right. it turns again, out... Again, again, again. It turns out that Ryan's heard of Damon because of the whole Ibiza connection, thing. which I thought was nice that people remembered that. Right. Yeah, apparently, he really is a big shot in Ibiza who turned old drug dens into cool hangouts. Nick isn't impressed by the drug stuff, reckoning it only means that he has the police in his back pocket. That's a good point. That's mm-hmm. a very good point. Yeah. Jacob insists the business is drug-free. Back at the young crew flat, Jacob learns from summer that Amy went out with Damon earlier. Panicking, Jacob calls Amy, but wouldn't you know it, she has left her phone in the flat. Of something course. that summer claims Amy does all the time. On and the then, charger. And the same breath says, despite it being an extension of her arm, she keeps on leaving it in the mm-hmm. in the flat. Well, which is on it? On the charger. Well, which is it? Yeah. So Damon brings Amy back later and privately tells Jacob that he has no say in how any of this is going to go down. Jacob will do exactly what he's told or there'll be bother. On Wednesday, Amy's running late and wonders if Damon will give her a ride to college. But Jacob snaps at her not to involve him. She notices his mood is low, but he plays it down. Later at the Young Crew flat, Damon comes in with his plan for the next delivery. Jacob makes it clear that he's doing this under protest. Damon says that he just wants to be a smashing dad. And Jacob is capable of doing a great job. And he's not Harvey. Mm -hmm. And the next delivery will be in a consignment of balsamic vinegar. Ooh la la. The first one was in olive oil. Olive oil, yes. Very. Fancy. Another be so, Leanne is very impressed with the new supplier. Apparently, 
last night's olive oil went down a treat. It was peppery. Mmm. <laughs> Oom. And uh, clear my head. And she is looking forward to the balsamic vinegar arriving today. I'll bet she is. Jacob focuses on his job and seems to have the hang of things. You look at me like that for. It's just been a weird night. <laughs> when the package arrives, he jumps into action to grab it, but as he's opening it, Leanne announces that the police are here. It's a retirement due for Maggie the dog handler and Sinbad the dog. You have got to be fucking kidding me, says Jacob. Yes. Then the balsamic vinegar delivery guy does arrive and he seems to have, like, see-through glasses on or something. There was something very strange in his face. Yeah, it was a yeah, it was the delivery guy and who arrives in the middle of the restaurant floor and right, the middle of service from the front door instead of the back right. door. Ugh. With one box of balsamic vinegar. <laughs> but sure. Hey. And in his rush to grab it, Jacob ends up bumping into Ryan and knocking a load of drinks onto Craig. Hilarious. Who is fucking furious about this? <laughs> like. You know, mistakes happen, but come on! <laughs> it's like, why are you so mad about this? <laughs> is that your favorite shirt? Yep. It's not his... What is it? The, it's not whatever. It's not whatever. But it's... Oh, the Y shirt. <laughs> oh. You know that sweater he's got? It's mm-hmm. black and it says Y in yeah. white. And which we... Which he should wear more often. <laughs> in the confusion, Jacob is able to nab the box and take it into the kitchen... And there he retrieves the package and shifts it to his backpack, tells Ryan that he's got the shits. He has my sympathy. And runs off. Meanwhile, Sinbad is going frantic on the scent of the drugs. Mm -hmm. Good boy. And so the table full of coppers decide to have a nose about in the bistro kitchen. Ryan becoming suspicious that Jacob has disappeared and the place absolutely reeks of heroin. Right, yes. Yes. They allow this dog into the kitchen after Nick has already yelled at Jacob for leaving a dirty apron on the counter. Yeah. Yeah. A good boy. (laughs) Jacob gets home, rushes into the bathroom and flushes the drugs just as the cops and their fucking dog arrives. Good boy, Sinbad. The cops aren't suspicious at all about all the flushing noises and Sinbad finds nothing. But then Amy comes in, want to know what's going on. You may have fooled the cops and you may have fooled the cops' dog. But you haven't fooled Amy. No. Back in the kitchen, Leanne and Nick are satisfied that the dog was on the scent of pastor day artichokes or Leanne's perfume. So that explains that. Yeah, because heroin and Leanne's perfume smell exactly the same. Well, there, there was a time. Mm, not too long ago, even. At the flat, Amy is not falling for Jacob's pish that he had the scoots, and he reacts badly to this and blames the police dogs and police for being interested in him because of his history. She's unconvinced, but Jacob leaves hurriedly when he gets a text from his dad, and he says he's off to apologise to Leanne and Nick. Damon isn't impressed when he learns that £50,000 worth of his drugs are swimming with Abby's gun and Johnny in the sewer. <laughs> Oh, look, here's some heroin. That makes it all better. Remember, and blub, put some, blub, blub. Remember, and put some sewer <laughs> reverb on that. He's, 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 Johnny is, is down there chatting up that whale from Avatar, the way of water. 
Jacob <laughs> seems to think that Damon is deliberately on oh, Sandra. Is deliberately making him his fall guy. Damon doesn't deny it. Calls Jacob a fucking fanny and a mistake and tells him if he doesn't vamoose out of the country, he's going to be killed. Now, I became terribly confused by all this. Yeah, me too. Earlier on, when there's the, the confrontation, mm-hmm. Jacob seems to twig something that's going on here mm-hmm. and says, you're going to throw me under the bus. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand the mechanics of that at all. Why Damon would throw Jacob under the bus? And he's wanting to get there's- drugs into the country... Jacob is the person who's going to allow that to happen. But if something but, goes wrong, he has Jacob to throw under the bus. And that's what has happened. You know, if there so was a failure. Than, and it kind of feels like Damon maybe was setting him up to fail and stealing the drugs himself. Because remember, he's selling these, he's selling these drugs to clear a debt. Damon is in debt. Well, so he says. I don't, I don't know that I believe any of that, though. I do. You do? Yeah. Rent's expensive in Ibiza. <laughs> so are you. Hmm. But yeah. This whole thing is ridiculous and stupid. And I'm just so out of the blue. Remember, contrived. We thought that when Damon arrived, he was going to be the kind of cheeky, chappy guy. Mm-hmm. He was going to be a little bit, you know, blurring the lines mm-hmm. and maybe going off and uh, uh, skirting the, the the lines of uh, illegality and, mm-hmm. and stuff, but seemed to be a, a kind of nice guy mm-hmm. who wanted to get his son back on side and that was going to be what was driving right. him. And and all of that seems to have lasted a week. And right. He's, and a, now right, it's he's like, a right wrong and, and he's threatening to kill his own son who he yeah. says is a mistake and should mm-hmm. never have happened. Yeah. And, it's, and I know there is an end point to this that happens on Friday that we seem to be rushing headlong to get to. But I imagine that the powers that be had more than a week's notice that this was going to happen. Right, yeah. And could have written something a little bit more... I don't well, know, just yeah, because, because they, had, they had announced the introduction of this character well before this. Mm-hmm. So did they initially have a storyline... That would be different than this, and then they had to change it last minute, right? Because somebody got a better job, maybe somewhere else. Someone else going to Doctor Who? Do you think <laughs> he's going to join Millie on the TARDIS? Well, uh, let's let us get to the maybe end. Maybe he's first. maybe he's the new master. On Friday, at the young flat, Amy is still suspicious of Jacob and his sad face. He pretends that being accused of dealing yesterday had upset him. He wants to run away from it all which makes Amy even more suspicious because he's making such a success of his life now. Right, yeah. Later, Damon is furious to see that Jacob still hasn't left yet. Jacob tries to get tough with Damon to make him promise that Amy will be safe, but a swift knee to the happy sacks puts paid to that. Damon threatens Jacob again that he's a dead man unless he fucks off, and this doesn't make a huge amount of sense to me. No. So Jacob staggers into Nick's office at the bistro and tells Nick about Damon's plans to run the coke empire from the restaurant. Turns out now that Jacob always knew that Damon was worse than Harvey, although that's never been mentioned. Again, it's frustrating because when his dad showed up on the street again, he initially said, no, I don't want anything to do with you. You're a wrong and stay away from me. And, and then Amy. and then fucking Amy had to put <laughs> her nose in and say, give your dad another chance. 
if you knew your dad was this bad, you uh, could have said to Amy, look, he's really dangerous. I don't want anything to do with he's him. He's worse than Harvey. Now, okay, Harvey was supposed to be dreadful, but was just like the worst Hilarious. villain, right? But if he's worse than that, yeah. Yeah. Come on, Coronation Street. Come on. Nick yep. isn't very sympathetic, but realises this is his own fault. Yes. Which I'm glad that he admitted. Absolutely. He tells Jacob to tell Amy the truth, but Jacob has a better idea. He's going to lie. Right. And his plan is to pretend that he's still a drug dealer on the phone when Amy comes in. It's like when he hears Amy come in, he's like, oh, okay, oh, Sandra, oh, yeah. yeah, I'll get you some drugs then. How's your baby? <laughs> your baby wants some drugs, hmm? <laughs> Super... Super smart Amy doesn't realise that it's all an act and Jacob throws her further off the scent by being shifty and nasty and calling her high maintenance essentially and she storms off upset. Jacob quickly packs but is interrupted when Amy returns. She says that she knows that he can change and they can go to Andy's in Spain. He knocks her back but he pretends that, do you know what, it was just a laugh and it's got all terribly predictable now and this has got nothing to do with my dad by the way so stay away from him. He hands yeah, over... And also- it would never work out because she wants someone just like her dad. And it's like, Which, what, what makes you, know you her think, at all? what makes you think that? Yes, Amy's going to settle. Right. Like her mum did. He hands over his key and he leaves. Amy calling him a loser as he goes. And Jacob meets Damon in the alleyway of doom, begs him for a chance to make the money back. But Damon calls him a liability and gives him 10 minutes to fuck off. So Jacob calls a black cab as tradition dictates, and with the lights of Coronation Street reflecting off the glass, he does indeed fuck off. Meanwhile, Amy is at home, being comforted by Stephen Tracy, and then Damon shows up at the bistro, telling Nick that Jacob was a liability, and he's gone now, and he pretends that the drugs were all Jacob's idea, and this just leaves Nick so confused. Well, I think Nick knows the truth, that Damon is not the one telling him the truth. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, he's just, he's got to pretend that Damon is telling him the truth, but that he knows better because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to rock the boat because he's still, even after all of this, even after all of this, he still doesn't want to tell Leanne the truth and try to get out of this Mm -hmm. communication people. It would solve so many of the problems on the show. There'd be no drama. (sighs) Leave the drama to your mama. Right. Now, I am... incredibly sad i'm gutted that jacob has left i am gutted i understand that it was his choice but i am i haven't been this devastated since charlie left the show you know because at least millie we had some time to process you know and everything this was this was not really all that hinted at in spoilers or anything that he was leaving the show no it became it became a possibility for mm-hmm. me only on Wednesday. Right. I thought, oh, really? They really are? Is this how this is going to go down? And even then, and even then today, it- I, was, I wasn't I was sure which way it was going to go. Obviously, as the, mm-hmm. the episode progressed, it became more and more obvious. But I thought if he was going to leave, he was going to leave on a, on a temporary basis. Mm-hmm. And while the door obviously is open it's for open. him to come back, it's... This for now feels permanent. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, what a loss to the show this is right. because such a great character. Well, even and when such he was a great a ba- actor, even when he was a baddie, and I know that you weren't 
all that mm -hmm. uh, convinced because you needed to see the big bad guy. Mm -hmm. What I liked about how he played it as a bad guy was that he was kind of like Michael Henker's funny games kind of guy. He was he was like that. Uh, he was a, a kind of nasty character that the show doesn't really have. One that that takes kind of joy in his nastiness. Mm -hmm. And Jacob, and originally was that, and yes. that really interested me. And I, and I thought he, he played it really well. The whole yes. thing with playing the uh, Oliver's uh, music CDs and right, stuff like yeah. that was just a horrible, horrible thing to do. Absolutely. But he done it really well. Mm -hmm. What he then went on to do in the rehabilitation of the character mm -hmm. was make us care about this character. Right. And make us love him. Right. And and pairing him with Amy was absolutely genius. Brilliant idea. I loved how I loved how he kind of got his feet under the table with the show. Everything that I read from him on uh, social media suggested to me that He's a delightful the, kid. The actor is as nice as Jacob right. became. Yeah. And is a real champion of the arts and for his fellow actors and mm -hmm. stuff. And just seemed like a really, really lovely guy. And is a cancer survivor, yeah. you know, and, and does does lots of stuff for that as well and everything. I just hope that this, this, this means, and the abruptness of this, or the seeming abruptness of this, mm -hmm. means that he has gotten a better gig along the lines of Millie's gig. Well, he's kind of sort of he's kind of teased it a little bit to say that there is an announcement to mm -hmm. come when he's able to to make it. Right. And to to keep her eyes open, which I'm yeah. absolutely going Very to do. Very excited about that. And and I wish him nothing but the but the best, right. and, but I feel a little bereaved. Yes, I'm um, very very sad. I think the the character had huge potential mm -hmm. and I would have loved to have seen where he could have taken it, but you All know, the best characters go bye-bye. Yeah. And that makes me sad. So, yeah. Why couldn't it have been Max? Why couldn't <laughs> it have been Summer? Why? Well, well, it's not that I want to see those actors go out of it, but those characters... Yeah, those characters need to be... Me. They, they need to... You know how they kind of filter everybody in and out in times. We, we need to see less of Max and Summer. Yeah. And, it, you know... At, I really would have liked to have seen more of Jacob and Amy because they were so cute together. Mm -hmm. it, they made they made a great pairing that made sense. They made one another better, both as characters and as actors. Yep. And it's just, it's a wee shame because <laughs> there really aren't enough young men in the show. No, I thought this was exactly the, the kind of character that Coronation Street has been looking Needing. for for a, a long time and mm -hmm. he's going to leave a, a pretty big hole absolutely but not like that not like that jack james ryan we all the very you. best for the future i look forward to seeing what you will be in haste you back yes if, keep in touch if the if the paths decide that you'll be back on the, the cobbles at some point i think you'll be very welcome yes especially by us moving on then our next storyline is news at maria on Wednesday, the market is open again, which boils Yay! Gary's piss because he's clearly worried about nutters wanting to kill Maria because she wanted to call it a winter market. But Maria <laughs> insists that they stand firm and Alia is Team Maria, keeping it real, sister. But see, this is because P. Gate Len says something about this later too. And it's like, 
But nobody is calling it a winter market. It's a peace market now. Nobody. That's not Christmas anymore. And, and Maria was very quick to back down from the whole winter market. And the only people who should have known about the whole winter market were the people in that room. Maria's not the one who spilled those particular beans. No, it's P. Lynn. Right. And also, Gary, what happened? What happened? You, I was singing your praises as the loving, supportive husband that that you hadn't been before, and now look, and you'd grown so much, and now you're back to me, man, me, no protect you all time, so me don't want you to be in government anymore. Another tremendous accent, but the, <laughs> that was your own accent. This is my caveman impression. But the ugh. Let's give him a. a a little bit of a break here no because a bomb has just gone off right yeah so, so i think he's he's within his rights to be a little protective a little protective but a not let, saying let's, let's, let's shut everything down right. and you go and cloister yourself and nina's rolls izzy is alive yay and she's chatting to gary about that kid that we never see he tells izzy that he's worried about maria's safety but maria doesn't seem to care and just to prove it she goes off to a council meeting on her way, though, she bumps into P. Gate Len, who apparently has organised a press event later to talk about the bomb incident, and he thought it best if she's there, but if she has somewhere else to be, you know, that's, that's fine. fine. Yeah, it's okay. Sandra. Okay. Maria says okay. that she'll be there. And she is. And she's happy to stay in the shadows until P. Gate Len starts talking to the journalists about immigration problems and waves of asylum seekers and Brexit benefits. And Maria has to intervene, insisting the community is stronger when it's together. And this attack has united people and the good work will continue. And she gets a wee round of applause yes. from Spider and Toya and others. Woo! And later in Speed Dial, Gary is unimpressed by all this, suggesting that she was deliberately sticking her head above the parapet despite his man advice. This is rich from an army man, says Maria, and she doesn't need to fight him too, she right, says. Right, yeah. And he's like, it's not the same thing, because I'm a man. That's, Shut the fuck up, Gary. That's just, just so you know, that's also the voice that you use when you're saying what your ex-husband has texted you. <laughs> On Friday, <Shh>. Maria is <laughs> cock-a-hoop. The council have agreed to a new refugee centre in the new precinct. Gary is still worried that all the racists are going to attack her, but she tells him this is good news, and his attitude isn't helping. Yeah, so fuck off, Gary. Later in Nina's roles, Maria is trying to drum up support for the refugee thing, but Daisy is suffering from another storyline, and Bernie doesn't give a shit about anything. Steve, though, insists that he and streetcars are firmly behind what Maria's talking about. But hardly anyone turns up to the meeting speed dial that Maria has decided to throw. And Toya thinks that people are scared and too scared to show their support. And then Gary comes along to say that Maria is mad, but she always proves them wrong. And that's the way that he shows his support. Apparently. Right. Yeah. They're mad, but they always prove you wrong. Now, I'm going to escort you home right now. This meeting is over. I'm declaring it over because I am escorting you home right now. Right. Get along, little lady. Don't you worry your pretty little head about this. Now make me a sandwich. <laughs> and take off your shoes and get pregnant. Yeah. Maria's standing firm, though. I know. And, you know, and I like that. Maria has proved, I think, that this Council of Maria thing that we mm -hmm. thought was, well, this could go either way, couldn't it? Right, yeah. And I'm so glad that they didn't go the way that we were afraid it was going to go. It's given our a bit of a new Lisa life as a character, I think. Right. That having her be more than just the person who has affairs with 
uh, married men or right. engaged men. Right. Uh, or was just the the demented right. uh, or, yeah. barber or hairdresser that she's got some actual honest to goodness real storylines yeah. that are affecting right. other things, which is quite right. nice. Right. And it would be nice if the other women on the street were given this as well. I think because I think this has really rehabilitated the character and make people who didn't like the character before like the character now, then maybe, you know, oh, I don't know, maybe Toya can be a counselor again and we can use her counselorship to filter other stories through, you know. That's she possible. Can be, she can be like, you know, like in The Sopranos, when Tony Soprano would go to his therapist. Not actually in The Sopranos. No, because that show ended like yeah. over a decade ago. Yeah. And James and Spider Gandalf- can be lost. And James Gandolfini is dead. Rest in peace. Yes. <laughs> no, Maria was so one dimensional. And now this is a this is a good aspect of her. Absolutely. And she's passionate about something. Right. And it's really good to see. And she's interesting without, you know, going crazy or getting stuck on pills or Or, or peeing in a bush. Sleeping with someone else's husband. She's had more than enough of that. Yes. And so have I. Oh, let's see what you with, mean. With the, with in, yeah, yeah. Within the show. Yeah. 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 Not. Well. Not anyway, really. Anyway. Our penultimate storyline tonight is Bombproof Alia. Just a couple of scenes here. I thought this was going yeah, to be something all more. Of, all of this could have been one storyline. I know. But uh, I like breaking up. On Wednesday, the bistro Alia is meeting up with Dee Dee, but only after Ryan has checked to make sure that she's okay. She says she's fine. She has a scratch on her forehead, a perforated eardrum, and a sore foot. I'm glad they at least gave her a perforated eardrum. Typical explosion injuries then. Dee Dee thinks that Ryan still has the hots for Alia. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> but Dee Dee has a care package for Alia. That was nice, wasn't it, Helen? It was nice. Because Unfortunately. she's so lovely. And also... So that now racism has been dealt with, maybe Alia can come back and work with her in the law office. And Alia is dying to get back to the law. So that's what happens. So And Didi is still lovely, but also still ditzy because she accidentally, because she had two packages, which were the same size. And one had the chocolates for Alia and the other one had pornography, a pee training chair for Glory. Which went off when she picked it up and started playing music. It's a potty training chair. Potty. That, been, that is hilarious. <laughs> You're a big girl now, Alia. Oh, oh. She's a big girl now. I want to do a poo at Paul's house. <laughs> Remember that? All right. Ah. Uh. Yeah, good. She's going back to the... Yes, law. good. Excellent. Yes. Our final storyline tonight is British Summertime. <laughs> <sighs> On Sunday, in Nina's roles, Summer learns that she has her first fertility appointment tomorrow. That's good for an 18-year-old to have, isn't it? A fertility appointment. Yeah, why are there no red flags anywhere, including uh, the fertility appointment, which we don't get to see, which it would have been... I don't want to see that. It would have been nice to see and see how they got around you know, a fertility clinic with a straight face saying, yes, teenager with diabetes who just had a miscarriage, you're the perfect candidate for this. Billy promises to be more supportive, so Summer leaves for the appointment which allows the three dads... And also 
apologizes for how he acted in the other one when we were like, woo, go Billy. He's just pretending, though. Yeah, but it's stupid. So this allows the three dads to discuss what to do. Paul wants to find out more about this fucking Esther and Mike characters. Billy knows that they moved to the church 18 months ago and their old vicar retired or something. So that was suspicious. Just a Maybe little. Maybe they killed him. Later in the pub, Todd tells Paul that he's tracked down the old church and he went to a prayer meeting, but they all closed ranks when Todd mentioned Mike and Esther's names. Paul's had an idea in the meantime. So back home, Paul hands Summer a cheque for £8,000 to help clear her debts with Mike and Esther. And Summer refuses. Right, yeah. She's like, nope, sorry. I promised them a baby and I will get them them a a baby. baby. And it's like, that's not how this works. The three dads look like they're about to tell Summer, just, you know what, just fuck off and be a baby factory if that's what you want to do. Motherfucker's crazy. Hmm. On Wednesday, Summer is dropped off on the street by Mike and Esther, and this is spotted by a passing Leanne who recognises that sleazeball from the other night at the bistro. Mm -hmm. So when she sees Billy later, she doesn't mean to stick her nose in, but she sticks her nose in anyway, explaining Mm -hmm. that the guy she saw with Summer earlier was trying like a bear to get into her knickers the other night. Billy takes this news back to Summer, warning her that Mike might not be what she thinks he is. Wouldn't that be convenient for you, says Summer, as it would put the surrogacy into jeopardy. Summer might be an idiot, but she's not an idiot having a baby for a cheater. You know what? Do what you like, says Billy, who's had it up to his tits with this shite. Absolutely. Later, at Mike and Esther's, Summer mentions that Leanne has been talking and Mike just puts it down. Do you know what? I was going to say something to you about that. That was just my lousy sense of humour. Mm-hmm. And Leanne misunderstood his joke. Uh-huh. Esther looks at him, though, and if Summer's falling for this pish, Esther certainly isn't. No. So on Friday... And Nina's rolls, it's Todd's birthday. Happy birthday. It's your your birthday. birthday. And he don't care who knows it. Bernie just doesn't care. No, she's probably still mad about the way he treated Paul. Paul may have forgiven him. Bernie has not. Todd gets a call from one of Mike and Esther's ex-church pals. And it looks like they have some juicy gossip for him. Later, Summer's wearing her Christmas wrapping paper jumper when she meets Todd and he explains that the former churchmate wants to meet Summer to discuss the affair that she had with Mike. Summer is furious that Todd would go snooping, but even she can't deflect from the facts. Mike is a scumbag. Todd tells her to go and talk to this strange woman named Ava. But instead, Summer meets up with Esther at Speeddal and Esther admits that what Todd has found out is true. Mike was cheating while the IVF was going on, but blamed it on his sense of humour. And so Esther forgave him because his sense of humour really is shit. Like Mrs Brown's boy's shit. Hmm. I'm not sure why this is necessary now, but someone decides to meet this uh, at Ava at the precinct. And we get to see the precinct set. And it's lovely to have... Uh, to have sight of that because previously this exchange would have taken place in the community garden or Mm. the cafe or maybe in the alleyway of doom and here it's a nice wee life-changing chat outside a sweetie shop as summer learns that not only did mike have an affair with ava he knocked her up good and proper yes so i'm not sure why this is necessary either but summer decides to go to mike's to let him know that she knows all about his dirty little secret right and they have a loud argument about this and God and poor Esther, who doesn't know about the kid. And when Summer accuses him of being a serial adulterer, Mike gets a tad violent and smashes a glass. Mm-hmm. And later, Mike's tidying up his mess. See what he did there? Yeah. 
and Summer tells him that she can't have his baby. Again, not quite sure why this conversation needs to happen right now. And she shouts at him to tell Esther, and she threatens to call Esther, but he talks her out of it. And so she leaves her phone on the counter, and he tricks her into going upstairs to the nursery, where he says Esther is painting. Right. But Mike ends up locking Summer in the nursery, because, like all good nurseries, it's able to be locked from the outside. And Summer bangs on the door, shouting on Esther. She really is that stupid. Back in Nina's roles, Todd calls Billy to fill him in on the events of the day. So, I like that. So he knows all that stuff that's going on. And now, hours later, someone is still shouting on Esther as she tries to smash a double-glazed window with her sneaker as Mike takes a call from Esther, who's at her dad's. Summer begs to be let out, saying that she needs her insulin, but Mike doesn't give a fuck and leaves her locked up in the room as she gets a warning from her little alert thing, and of course, she's banned Billy from getting notifications. Well, no, because remember, he's supposed to be getting notifications. because oh, the she data didn't... had ran out. Right, thing. yeah. And Mike does, like, shove some food into the room. But then he's like, I've got to go and see Esther. So, bye! And those windows don't open in that nursery? This is not up to fire code. <laughs> Do they the, expect their baby to burn up? This is a death trap. It is a fucking death trap. There's no latches. There's no way to open a window. However, there is a light in that room. And she's opened the curtains. Mm. So the only thing that's lit up in that house is a young woman beating on the windows. Right. And they live in a neighborhood. No one sees this. And this leads us on to this week's hard debate. Uh-oh. Remember when Summer was Oxford bound and didn't continually put herself in ridiculous situations? The options were no, which got 37.3%, and not really. Which got 62.7%. That's what I voted for. <laughs> yes. And that's how we end this week's episodes. Oh my God. So bad. So, you know, I kind of wish that they had been human traffickers because that would have been so much more interesting <laughs> than, oh, I accidentally knocked someone up. So I have a baby, but my wife does not. And my wife is so desperate for a baby, but she's so fragile because she's a lady. There's no way that she'd be willing to be a stepmother to this baby, which I think actually Esther would absolutely love that baby. I think Esther would have been fine with that. I mean, I think she would have been heartbroken at first, but then she, I think she would have realized this is a baby that I can love. Well, it's not really any different, really, than, I guess, from Summer having a baby. No, absolutely not. The this, only- this is another woman having Mike's baby. Right. And the sorry the sorry fact is that it's already happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which is finally, finally the straw that breaks the camel's back for Summer because she remembers what it's like to be a kid shuttled around mm-hmm. from gay dad to gay dad <laughs> and occasionally a grandma who we haven't seen in years. God, come back, Geraldine. All is forgiven. <laughs> Please. Come back and take her you far away awful, from here. awful, homophobic woman. Please come back. All is forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, dear. It's so bad. It's so bad. What was the catalyst to all this? How did all this start? I'm just trying to think. Did it start with the fainting? 
was there a, a fainting episode or something? And that's how she discovered that she was... Diabetic? Diabetic. Or was there a body image thing before that where she was kind of starving herself a lot? No, because she didn't get the body image thing until she started taking the medication for the diabetes, which made her gain weight. So it started with fainting because of a... a Undiagnosed diabetes. Right. And... Which can develop later in in uh, childhood. And so far it has ended with her trying to break a double glazing window with her trainer. Right. After being locked in a nursery <sighs> for a baby she's supposed to be having for these other people. But the dad Mama's, already has a baby. It's a story as old as time. <sighs> Remember... Remember back in the day? No, not really. When when Summer first got diabetes and they were talking a big game about how this was supposed to bring diabetes awareness to the world and body issues and stuff. They don't talk about that anymore. I don't feel like that's been done in good faith. No. <laughs> no, because that's not what's happening here. Because of course she has to be kidnapped, right? <laughs> oh, okay. She's maybe not kidnapped. She's been held against her will. It's, it's kidnapping. It's if 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 Gemma and Michael and Bernie were kidnapped being locked in a room mm-hmm. the day before. It's false imprisonment, at least. Then what's happened to Summer is kidnapping. And it's just, it's more dangerous because now she could die. <laughs> Did you have your fingers because crossed? <laughs> you're the only one who was supposed to see that. Oh, don't worry, nobody's listening to this. <laughs> Oh my god. It's just it was a really it was a really poor week. It was a poor and week already and then we had a lot of summer stuff in it and that it, it's the the Max storyline is so frustrating. It's gla- I'm glad that he's still racist. I mean, I'm not glad he's racist. No, I know what you mean. But I'm so glad I. he's still racist, you know, and he didn't magically he wasn't magically cured of his racism mm-hmm. with with one bomb scare. It but, takes more than one bomb scare to to knock the racism out of you. Right, yeah. But the whole, oh, if I just let my son be and and tell him it's okay for him to have his own views, then he'll stop being racist is very frustrating to me because that's not how that works. No, and we're, I guess we're talking back about that story again as opposed to this one. Uh-huh. But I think maybe spiders onto something that is a patient long game. Right. It's not something that you're going to solve overnight. No, no, absolutely not. But it's also not going to be solved by saying there's nothing wrong with the way you think. Is there anybody in the summer storyline who isn't behaving remarkably stupidly? Like like beyond, like you shouldn't be opening tins of fruit on your own kind of stupid. Because summer certainly shouldn't be doing that. Because the, the display of, the, or the lack of common sense, which... You know, we've said before and we've given her the benefit of the doubt that, that smart people don't always have street smarts or right. common sense. But this is taking it to a new level. Right. The way that she she gets the confirmation that she wants or she needs from Esther. Right. She still wants to talk to Ava. Now, I know that needs to happen so we know that the baby, the baby is there. But really, the baby is immaterial by this point. We know that that makes a cheater right and summer has said that she's not going to give a baby to a cheater so but, that should be the end of it for her but it's not because it's not until she sees that kid and she can relate to that kid 
that that she finally kind of wakes up and says, no, I'm not going to do, you know, you have a kid already. You know, it, she doesn't seem to really care all that much about the cheating. She ca- she cares a little bit, but she doesn't seem because she seems to be assuaged a little bit by Esther saying, oh, yes, I knew about that. And but that woman's really horrible and she lies and she keeps skiving money off of him. Well, we find out that it's not skiving money, Esther. It's child support. Right. You know, and. All right. Well, well, let, let's say that that's true then. And she has to she has to go to see Ava to get mm-hmm. to get that part of the puzzle completed right. for her. But then why does she need to go and speak to Mike about it? Well, because on her, she, on her own, because she because she does at his house because she's an adult now and she doesn't have to listen to her dad's. You she doesn't her. have to bring her dad's with her. I don't need you because I'm an adult now. Bring Aaron with you. It is, it is it, a podcast of a thousand voices tonight, <laughs> Helen. The fact, the fact that you know it, it, the fact that both Max and Summer refuse to listen to sense from their parents and only listen to sense or only listen to other people mm-hmm. who may or may not be talking sense, you know, is it's it's frustrating as as a parent that is frustrating for me because especially with Summer, you would think that she had would have had a better relationship with with Billy especially and and be willing to, even as an adult, be willing to listen to his point of view a little bit because he has a bit more life experience than she does. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's never been pregnant, but, you know, who knows what the future brings. <laughs> right. There was that one time. There was that one time with, at band camp. With, with Peter's sister. But, um, yeah, it's just, no, I mean... If she had brought someone with her, then she couldn't be kidnapped and she couldn't be potentially going to die. And maybe that isn't a bad thing to not allow to happen. Maybe that, maybe this storyline of just deconstructing Summer doesn't need to happen. That's <laughs> just so fucking terrible. I just hate it so much. And, and I've, I hated mean, it, I've hated it for a while. And, I mean, and I've kind of got to the point now where it's, it's, it's funny now. And I don't understand why why Todd wouldn't, before talking to Summer, talk to Paul and Billy about what he's found out and say, hey, I have found out, you know, I've spoken to this woman and this thing happened and I really want to tell Summer, maybe we should do it together. Maybe we should still be a united front here. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, immediately afterward, call Billy and Paul and say, hey, I found this thing out. I told Summer. She was really upset and she rushed out. I'm kind of worried about her. So we should keep an eye on her. And, you know, at least at the very least, he tries to call her and the call goes to voicemail because Mm -hmm. it's still in the kitchen. Because, of course, it is. I I was shouting at 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 my iPad so hard saying... Don't leave your phone there. Why would you go upstairs without your phone? And why would you think that Esther would be upstairs who hasn't heard this loud argument right, and yeah. things breaking why? downstairs? You know this man is a liar. Why would you believe him that he was lying before and now he's telling the truth and she's upstairs? Why would you go with him? Say, okay, 
Say okay. If she's upstairs, then bring her down and we will talk. Bring her to me. Yeah. 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 Oh, so who knows what's happening next week? Yes, of course she's going to have some diabetic right. episode. She's going to come close to death. She's going to end up in the hospital. She's not going to die. And But she's not having a baby. And we can Thank God. forget this ever happened. Fingers crossed. So Mike and Esther are not human traffickers and Griff is not a nonce. So far. <laughs> well, that was the week that was Coronation Street. Tell me, Helen, what was your kidnapping of the week? Kidnapping of the week. That would be Jabba's kidnapping, would be my kidnapping of the week. And what was your boring kidnapping of the week? That would be Summer's kidnapping of the week. Boring kidnapping of the week. Okay, moment of the week. Uh, Maria... With the journalists. Oh, yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. I would kind of like to give it to Jacob because he's left, but... But none of those scenes were good. <laughs> and we're still mad at him for leaving, even though we are very supportive of whatever he does in his career. It, it's a, it's a storyline or it's an end of a storyline that does not befit the magnitude <laughs> of the character leaving. We are not fucking giving it to the drug-sniffing dog turning circles in the kitchen. Good boy. All or right. Craig getting very, very upset about his shirt having alcohol spilled on. He's like, no, I smell. Since when did Craig have friends? <laughs> they're not friends. They're colleagues. Okay. There's a difference. Remember, he's bent. Anyway. They're probably all bent. Let's be honest. <laughs> Apart from the dog. It, he's a good the, boy. Was the racist cop there? Probably. <laughs> anyway, Maria... Owning P. Gate Lane at the uh -huh. press conference is our moment of the week. Moment of the week. Our boring moment of the week. <sighs> Where shall I begin? <laughs> is it Craig getting mad at alcohol being spilled on his shirt? I thought that were Ken Hoovering. <laughs> or is it, or is it Mike saying to Summer, "Oh, she'll notice because it's from our wedding." Or no, that's okay. No. You don't have to well, help me clean set. up. No, let's go with let's go with Craig. <laughs> Craig's shirt. Getting alcohol spoiled on it. What's that? Boring moment of the week. <laughs> no, I smell. <laughs> oh, Craig. What a weird what what a weird night. That has been a weird night, hasn't it? <laughs> I we felt, had to make this entertaining somehow because the show was shit. I'm not sure that we've achieved that, but <laughs> I was sure that we've been talking for about three hours and we haven't. So no. that's good. If John Welsh has phoned you in the middle of a podcast, <laughs> please, please write in to let us know about it. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Mastodon. You can shout me and Helena Coffee by heading to kofi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of vogel.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. Thank you. And we will be back next week with more Talk of the Street. The Talk of the Street. Bye.